Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the October 13th, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Disinformation piles onto the depravity of Hamas's terrorism, written by Jan Wundra. Bipartisan governors stand together to condemn violence in Israel, written by Jan Wundra. Salida City Treasurer, Perceptions and Reality, written by Carly Winchell. Colorado and Wyoming Partnering in Climate Resilient and Sustainable Technologies, written by Jan Wundra, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Disinformation Piles on to the Depravity of Hamas's Terrorism, this posted by Jan Wundra. The massacre of more than 1,200 Israelis in the villages in the south of Israel near the Gaza Strip border is now fodder for a massive disinformation campaign that has ramped up across social media. Fake news is being deliberately spread across all social networks like X, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. The nation of Israel is in mourning, and countries around the world are involved not only because their own dual citizens have been killed, but dozens of them appear to be among the 100 to 150 hostages, which are now reported to include at least nine children taken back into Gaza by Hamas. As reported by Al Jazeera, of all platforms, Elon Musk's X appears to have had the worst outbreak of fake news, fake videos, photos, and misleading information about the conflict. Much of it is aimed at portraying the opposite of the truth, attempting to present the Israeli military as having attacked Hamas, praising the terrorists, and showing what is claimed to be massacre scenes, many of them faked from other years and other geographic areas. What is clear is that while Musk is the richest man in the world, after buying Twitter renamed X, he changed its usage policies. Now he allows the vaunted check verification on any account that will pay for it. This, accompanied by large layoffs of the social media's trust and safety teams, translated to only a few thousand of the massive disinformation deluge being deleted, spreading false information about this tragedy that has generated 50 million posts, the vast majority fakes. This vastly distorts what the public is seeing and hearing. Social media platform rumors are flying, and terrible videos and photos of carnage are being faked, including deep fakes claiming that Israel was the attacker, not Hamas. Claims are being made that Israel is using banned weapons in Gaza. They aren't in Gaza and turned it over to the Palestinians in 2005. Or that Hamas soldiers are using U.S. weapons left behind in Afghanistan used to attack Israel. Also, not true. This makes the reality of what has actually happened, the worst attack on the Jewish people since the World War II Holocaust, almost surreal. 
because of the massive disinformation campaign being waged against the Jewish people on top of the tragedy of terror. The Israeli government has released a very few photos today of the attacks on babies, which NBC News made a decision to show only once today. AVV will not publish the photos. To see the baby cribs and the babies full of bullet holes and blood, babies burned to death. Who kills a baby, said one Israeli soldier, describing the depravity his soldiers found. Depravity in the worst possible way, said U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, swallowing hard while speaking in a press conference this morning, commenting on the scenes of slaughter. It is beyond comprehension. He described the massacre scenes in the villages in the south of Israel near the border with the Gaza Strip, through which more than a thousand Hamas fighters emerged last Saturday to rape and burn and hack and explode gasoline tanks on innocent civilians, farmers most of them. He described babies riddled with bullets, others burned to death in their cribs, children beheaded, little girls raped and whole families hacked to death or burned alive in their homes. The real horror with which Israelis are dealing in the words of one grieving family member, it is now burned into our memories. We are going to face Hamas and face these threats. As President Joe Biden so eloquently said in his remarks yesterday, the humanity of the world must decry not just the inhumanity of these attacks, but the continuing violation and vilification of the Jewish people by this tsunami of disinformation. He spoke of compassion and promised America's unwavering support of Israel, saying, we've got your back. It was the most pro-Israeli speech of any American president ever. In contrast, Donald Trump, in a rambling two-hour tirade, criticized Israel and its leadership and praised Hamas and Hezbollah, calling them very smart. This must be a moment for moral clarity, said Blinken today. We must condemn terrorism. As American consumers of information, this reporter adds that we must condemn not just the terrorism and the sheer brutality, but the disinformation, and not allow it to override our humanity. That story, Disinformation, piles on to the depravity of Hamas's terrorism, posted by Jan Wondra. Next up, bipartisan governors stand together to condemn violence in Israel. This posted by Jan Wondra. Today, National Governors Association Chair, Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and Vice Chair, Colorado Governor Jared Polis, issued the following statement condemning the recent terrorist attacks in Israel and calling on Congress and the White House to provide support. Quote, The horrific violence against the people of Israel is heartbreaking. The images we're seeing and the stories we are hearing are the kind that make us all want to hold our families closer. These terrorist attacks by Hamas are an inexcusable evil, said Governor Cox and Governor Polis. Our hearts are with every individual and family in Israel who fears for their life or who has lost someone dear to them. 
as well as all those here in the United States and around the world who fear for their friends and loved ones, the statement continued. History has shown us what happens when we stay silent in the face of terror. It leads to more pain, more division, and squashes any opportunity for real, lasting peace. So together we are raising our voices to condemn these attacks and asking Congress and the administration to set aside partisanship to provide help and support to Israel during this time of deep crisis, close quote, the governors added. Earlier this week, Governor Polis issued a statement condemning the violent attacks against Israel. That story bipartisan governors stand together to condemn violence in Israel. Also in the news, Salida City Treasurer, Perceptions and Reality, this posted by Carly Winchell. When people consider what a treasurer does, the first thoughts that come to mind are sign checks, make investments, and set policies. Not so with the Salida City Treasurer. AVV's Engaged Election Coverage. This article is part of a series of explainers, especially designed for the current election season. While Arc Valley Voice has always thoroughly covered local, state, and national elections, our readers said they wanted more, the whys, and how the process works in Colorado. Arc Valley Voice staff and the president of their nonprofit parent, the Truth Has a Voice Foundation, have been actively participating in ongoing training, along with a cohort of 13 news-gathering media organizations in the Colorado Engaged Elections 2023 Fellowship. The goal is to go behind the scenes of the election process, move beyond the usual box score of who votes or wins, and most of all, engage voters by asking them what they want to know not what the candidates want to tell them. Here, then, AVV contrasts perceptions versus realities in the Salida City Treasurer role. Why is the role of the Salida City Treasurer different? Salida is one of just 11 statutory cities out of 273 municipalities in Colorado. Of these 11, only a handful currently have an elected treasurer, making the city somewhat unique. As a statutory city, Salida must first conform to the generic governing laws required by the state of Colorado. Specifically, the city treasurer shall perform those functions as set forth in CRS Section 31-20-301 through Section 31-20-307 as amended and as may be prescribed by city ordinance from time to time. These would be traditional minimum requirements, yet one size does not fit all cities and situations. The Salida Municipal Code provides additional guidance beyond the Colorado Revised Statutes and its arcane 19th century language. Chapter 2, Article 3, City Administration of the Salida Municipal Code, Section 2-3-50, The City Treasurer, spells out some examples that would be considered minimum requirements. Council members and the mayor offer their opinions. Councilmember Jane Templeton deferred to the code when asked about the role of the treasurer. I don't have much more to say about the position of city treasurer than what is in the city code. 
I do recognize that Merrill Bergen, our present treasurer, has done more than is required and more than past treasurers. But I imagine that time and effort spent would depend on the person elected, said Templeton. Since the city has an outside financial advisor, an internal finance director, and a finance committee, as well as the treasurer, I think we are in a good position to pay careful attention to our budget. When asked about his perspective on the position, Mayor Dan Shore began by providing a little background. Back in 2018 or 19, there was a special election, explained Shore. We put to vote the treasurer's and the clerk's position. This goes back a number of years, and what was really interesting was that the voters voted for the clerk to be an appointed position, and then they voted for the treasurer to be an elected position. The roles and responsibilities are spelled out really specifically in state statute, continued Shore. Fortunately, we've got a really, really strong finance department, the people that do all the day to day work, and I think it's important with that role that whoever comes into that role stays in their lane and is really focused on following the statute. Councilmember Alyssa Pappenfort also commented on the voters' past decision. In the election where voters kept the treasurer an elected position while voting for the city clerk to become a staff position, people told me they didn't understand why the difference. To me, the message is perfectly clear. People want oversight by an elected person accountable to them. Pappenfort continued I considered my prior role as treasurer as more of an interpreter to help people understand government financing as paralleled with home budgets. I carefully reviewed all financial documents for accuracy. I believe the treasurer needs to be careful and honor the chain of command. That means they should work with the city administrator and only access other staff when the administrator consents. Only the administrator has the big picture of what staff tasks are. Voter perceptions what the Salida City Treasurer's role is not. The treasurer does not report to the mayor, council, or any city staff. The treasurer does not sign any checks or have access to bank accounts. The treasurer does not audit the books. An independent municipal audit firm does that. The treasurer does not invest or handle city funds. An independent firm recommends investments and guides the city with a long term financial management plan, FMP. The treasurer is not currently included in closed council executive sessions. The treasurer position does not require professional accounting experience. That's what the finance staff does. Realities. So, what does the treasurer actually do? A few of the current basic duties are listed here. Chair the monthly finance committee meetings, which include two council members and city staff. The finance committee reviews the investment portfolio and the impact of proposed council actions. It may make recommendations to the council, but takes no official actions on its own. Attend all council and work sessions and the annual retreat, reporting to the public on monthly sales tax collections and budget versus actual performance as compiled by the finance director. Review the independent outside audit and management letter each year. Meet with city staff and department heads each summer and offer feedback as they draft their annual budget requests.
serve as a sounding board for the finance director and city administrator, providing an outsider's view to help objectively evaluate the budgetary impact of programs and major capital purchases and their life cycle costs on behalf of all constituents. I view my job as to ask relevant questions, drawing on common sense and a lifetime of business experience to address what voters might want to know, said retiring Salida City Treasurer Merrill Bergen. Being a pair of eyes on from the outside, I look at the process and go beyond just the dollars and cents of proposed actions, considering the optics of how voters will view them. The intent is to help the council make well-informed decisions, mindful of their cumulative financial impact across all the wards. The job of city staff is to bring programs and services to constituents, as directed by the city council. Balancing ever-expanding needs and wants against the realities of available funding is a role I have helped with, Bergen concluded. What else shapes the role of the Salida City Treasurer? The role depends on the bandwidth and skill set of the elected treasurer, as well as developed relationships with city staff. To some degree, it is also driven by the current financial condition of the city, as well as recent financial audits. I have had the time and interest in city operations to take the position well beyond the statutory and municipal minimums, said Bergen. Given that the financial strength of the city has dramatically improved since 2019, four audits have been highly rated as clean, and the finance department has won multiple national awards for its budget and annual reports, the treasurer's tasks to date have been much streamlined. Finance director weighs in. When asked about the position, Finance Director Amy Tahonovich focused on the role of the Treasurer in supporting staff. I think the Treasurer's role, as defined in the Code, is what should be followed for guidance. City staff are tasked with performing the financial management of the organization, and the Treasurer should monitor sufficiently to ensure that the annual audit is completed an annual budget is prepared and presented to Council for adoption, and that spending is within the limits established by the adopted budget. Tohonovich added, If staff are not sufficiently doing their job, the Treasurer may need to take a stronger role to ensure that key financial job elements are being met. The monthly Finance Committee meetings, which the Treasurer leads, are opportunities for receiving staff financial reports helpful in monitoring activities. I should add that our current treasurer has had the time and interest to be more involved than what is typically necessary, continued Tohonovich. He has been a great advocate for the city, and we appreciate him greatly. But this level of involvement is certainly not necessary or even desirable, since it is best for staff who are elbow-deep in the work day-to-day -to, -day to answer questions of the public and council regarding city finances. In summary, it's clear that there are a variety of opinions on the role of the treasurer and that it will always be shaped to some degree by the person performing the work. Finally, it should be noted that the views set forth by staff, the mayor, and the council are important to the effectiveness of the role. Yet, in the end, the treasurer currently answers to only the voters in all three wards. What do you think the role of the treasurer should be? 
This series on engaged elections coverage stresses that voters ultimately choose their candidates and that acting on what voters want does guide the future direction of the city. Finally, informed decision-making is what makes our democracy work the best. AVV wants your opinion. What should the treasurer do more or less of? Readers can take our instant poll at the top right corner of our homepage. We'll share a summary of your views to help better inform the candidates for the incoming treasurer's seat. Your feedback will help shape the future of the treasurer's office and the direction that staff and the council take in stewarding your tax dollars. That story entitled Salida City Treasurer Perceptions and Reality. And continuing on, Colorado and Wyoming partnering in climate resilient and sustainable technologies. This posted by Jan Wondra. The governor's office announced this week that Colorado and Wyoming are collaborating to support a regional team working to power innovative pathways toward climate resiliency by utilizing data, predictive modeling, and cutting-edge technology to address key challenges. The Colorado-Wyoming Regional Innovation Engine, C-O-W-Y Engine, is one of 16 finalists in the first-ever National Science Foundation NSF Regional Innovation Engines competition, which will award up to $160 million in funding over the next 10 years. Officials in both states say they recognize the opportunity to secure federal funding that could transform this region into a national leader in developing climate-resilient and sustainable technologies and expand economic opportunities and workforce development in these key areas. To elevate the COWY engine, Colorado and Wyoming have both committed to align resources that will support the engine's goals including increased engagement of the business community with the region's research institutions and federal labs, attracting more funding to support the commercialization and monetization of new technologies, and growing diversity within the region's workforce to include rural communities. We are thrilled to partner with Wyoming on this plan as Colorado is leading our country on environmental tech to help address climate challenges. This funding will grow the work of our universities and federal labs while creating more jobs, said Governor Jared Polis. The pathway to a prosperous global future will be paved with adequate, affordable energy and a rigorous commitment to a healthy environment, Governor Mark Gordon said. Wyoming understands the urgency of addressing climate challenges. Our unequaled leadership in innovating and developing needed technologies supports Wyoming's all-of-the-above energy strategy. This approach will grow our economy, develop our workforce, and support thriving communities. The COWI engine, spearheaded by InnoSphere Ventures, looks to transform the region into a leader in the development and commercialization of climate-resilient and sustainable technologies. These technologies will support communities across the region and the country to monitor, mitigate, and adapt to climate impacts. They are expected to have direct applications to water resource management, agriculture technology, and extreme weather, including wildfires and flooding. 
We can solve so many climate-related challenges with technology-driven solutions, and NSF funding will dramatically increase what we can accomplish, said Inosphere Ventures CEO Mike Freeman, who is taking the lead of the COWI engine's proposal to the NSF. We are pleased to have the support of both Colorado and Wyoming, which have such a strong history of collaboration, and share our commitment to creating an inclusive, nationally and internationally relevant engine that employs a diverse workforce and benefits rural and urban communities alike. Among the initiatives being explored by Colorado and Wyoming, the Wyoming Business Council, Wyoming Venture Capital, the Colorado Office of Economic Development and International Trade (OEDIT), and Colorado's Venture Capital Authority are assessing the possibility of a venture capital fund or funds that will invest in startups commercializing technologies that emerge from the COWI engine. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.